Some of us have been stuck for a long time, and the Lord wants to unlock us. As a church, we've been stuck for a long time. Are y'all, is it okay for me to say that? Yeah, you're not supposed to. That's the truth. Like, not only, not only our church, but the church as a whole has been stuck with this business model for church that isn't the model that God created for his church. He took the least effective people, the least um, qualified people, and he put his spirit on them, and they turned the world upside down. <laughs> These who turn the world upside down. When they would come to town, they say, hey, those who have turned the world upside down have come to our city. And something would happen because the Spirit of God would rest upon them. And you know we talk about this a lot. We believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We believe that when you ask Jesus to, to be the Lord of your life, that the Holy Spirit comes and lives inside of you. Amen? And he's in us for us. It's for my benefit. He cleanses me. He leads me into righteousness. But then there's that outpouring where the Holy Spirit comes upon us. And we need both we need the Holy Spirit to rest upon us. I love how it says he rested upon Jesus and stayed and remained. That's the picture of what it looks like to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit descends upon us, he rests upon us, and he remains. He doesn't leave. Are you all okay? He doesn't go somewhere else. He stays. And so what we're looking to do is to ignite people that are filled with the, the power and the Holy Spirit so we can turn the world upside down. We, are, we have been planted in a neighborhood that needs to know Jesus is the real God. You've been planted in a workplace where people need to know that Jesus has an answer for their problem. The chaos of the world, like if there's ever been a time where there's chaos, I think that's the best word for it for what's going on in the world, I think chaos is the word for it. And it, it, chaos and evil are almost the same thing. And Jesus came to bring order to the chaos. The Holy Spirit, actually, even in Genesis 1, the Bible says, he sat upon the earth and took the chaos and converted it into order. It's the Spirit of God that does that. And there's never been a time where the church needs to be empowered by the Holy Spirit more than right now in this moment. Amen. Like, we, we aren't going to find these just great solutions and answers and, and whatever because we've studied hard. It's only going to happen by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? How many want more Holy Spirit activity? <sighs> There's a song that I can't stop listening to, and in there it says, put me anywhere. Just put your glory in me. I'll serve anywhere. Just let me see your beauty. I feel that like just stirring as a prayer. That's what I want to talk about, just kind of family talk today. I want the Holy Spirit to rest upon us, put us anywhere. It doesn't matter where I work. Just put me wherever I can show your glory. Put me wherever I can shine for you. I don't care. I don't, I, I'm not uppity. I don't have like this. I have to have this specific job or this position or this place. The Holy Spirit wants to empower you right where you are. Do you believe that? Tell your neighbor. Go on. <laughs> Sorry. Awesome. Hmm. How many knows what it feels like when the Holy Spirit comes upon you? <sighs> Come on. Everyone smiled when I asked that. That knows. Right. It, it, there's no feeling like it. And it's supposed to stay there. It's supposed to remain. His presence on us. There is a, 
I, I want us to pray. We're going to pray today, and we're going to go through the word. We're going to pray, and we're going to go through the word. I don't know what this is going to look like, so bear with me. I'm, I'm winging it here, and I have not lost my winging it privileges yet, but I'm probably close. <laughs> um, no, I really do have something prepared, but I want us to stir up the hunger for God. I, I, you know, when I look at the church, my job is to take the spiritual atmosphere, the climate of the church, and to lead the Lord where, he's, where he wants us to be. Where are we now? Where does he want us to be? And he tells me what we're supposed to do. I lead all the leaders in the house. That's our job is to, to take us where we are to where he's leading us, the next step. And I think the key to that next step for us is a greater hunger for, for a move of God, like where we're not satisfied. I mean, let's be honest. How many would say right now, like, things in your life are pretty solid? Let's, like, honestly, would you raise your hand? Like, man, I, I love my family. I love where I live. I love my neighborhood. I love how my kids are doing. Uh, you know, my, my, my oldest son's got a job at Chick-fil-A. He's becoming mature. Praise Jesus. Like, all this, like, wow. It's, it's like, all the stuff I've been trying to parent is coming out naturally because he's now got his own job. And it's like, oh, all right, I see you going to bed early tonight because he's worn out. That's awesome. Way to go. He was up this morning at 730. I'm like, whoa, that was never happened before. Like, so I'm really happy. I love what God's doing. I love what God's done in my marriage. I love what he's doing with my family. Like, God has been really good to me. Amen? How many would say that? And I'm so thankful, but I'm not satisfied. Like, I know there's more to this. And I, I can't allow the blessing of God to take away my hunger for him. I can't allow his favor upon my life to replace the knowledge that, man, I really need him. Like, I don't have this. I don't have this, God. Like, I can't never say to him, I've got this. I don't got this. Like, and that's what I mean to stir up that hunger for him. There should be this cry inside of us that says, come Holy Spirit. Would you just say that? Come Holy Spirit. <laughs> and the Old Testament is like he would come and put them on like a glove, you know? He would just, just enrapture their whole being the New Testament, he does that, and he doesn't leave. There's supposed to be a markup on us. Amen? I don't want to get into politics. I, I am so sick and tired of all the politics. Anyone else? But if we as a church don't rise up in the power of the Holy Spirit, we're going to lose the battles right in front of us. Yeah. If we don't add our voice to the conversation... Not what we think, but if we don't add the truth to the conversation, then we're, we're handing our kids a really big mess and saying, here, good luck. Like, no, that's not how, that's not who we, are, who we are as parents. And we need the Holy Spirit to come. See, there's an encounter that we have with him. And that encounter, how many have had an encounter with God? Like you've met God. You know him, like you've had that encounter. Haven't had many encounters with him, and you just encounter him. That is an in, that is an uh, an invitation into the fullness of what he has for us. Like I can look back in my life and see specific encounters and be like, man, that was really awesome. That was really amazing. But looking back now, I know those were invitations in for uh, for that to be my lifestyle. Those moments were invitations for it to be that way all the time. Amen. It's a moment where revelation comes and we're like, oh, I now see what I never saw before. It was there all along and I couldn't see it because there was a veil. 
But the Bible says in 2 Corinthians that when we turn to the Lord and the Spirit comes, where there's li- the Spirit of the Lord, there's liberty. When we turn to him, the veil is removed. And now all of a sudden we see what we never saw before. And we, we are able to partake of what we didn't know was on the other side of that veil. It's the Spirit doing this stuff. It is the Holy Spirit that's doing this. It's not us doing it. It's the Holy Spirit. Amen? When we partner with these encounters, they become our lifestyle. It's, it's the doing of his word that leads to lifestyle. It's not the hearing of his word that leads to lifestyle. And one thing that I, I've noticed as we've been doing these revival groups and we've made it a, an intentional thing to have homework where we have to do things that we're supposed to do as baby Christians that maybe we thought we don't have to do anymore like pray for people at work or like, oh, I'm only supposed to prophesy at church. I've matured. I, I've gained a place of prophecy at church, but I don't have to do that. No, it's not that way at all, actually. And what I'm seeing is that we need to go back and do the things that we did at first. Like the moment that we thought we as a church can get away from doing the, the simple things that he told us to do was first, when we first became disciples, the moment we thought we graduated from that, we missed the whole plot. We're all supposed to be out there winning people to Jesus. We're all supposed to be healing the sick, casting out demons, preaching the gospel. You're like, I don't know how to preach. Yes, we do. We know how to tell what Jesus did for us. Amen? There's a story I want to read from Luke 17. So if you want to go to Luke 17, we'll, we'll finish out with this. We've heard this saying for a long time, right? He initiates, we respond. Let's say it again. He initiates and we respond. He initiates and we respond. The way in which we respond to him will create culture. The way we respond to him creates a culture. If the Holy Spirit comes upon us and we resist him or if we tiptoe in, we do that long enough, that becomes the way we respond as a culture. But if we jump all in, that becomes the culture that we respond to him in. And I want to see us begin to respond wholeheartedly. When we respond correctly in faith and in hunger, we increase his activity. We want to lean in to where it doesn't take a loud scream to get our attention, but it's just the simple, the whisper of his voice, the simple moving of his eye leads us. When we don't respond to what God's doing, whether it's by ourselves or in a corporate setting, We create a Pharisee culture. When we don't respond, are you okay? You're like, I don't know where we're going. It don't make sense. When we don't respond, when he comes into a room, we create a Pharisee culture because we become observers rather than partakers. And we're supposed to partake of the banquet he sets out before us. I'm not supposed to sit back and watch I'm not just supposed to sit back and observe with my eyes. I'm supposed to taste and see that he is good. I'm supposed to taste for myself. He even said to them, you don't believe just because I say I am who I am. You believe because you ate the bread and your stomach was filled. That's why you believe. There's a thing that happens to us when God begins to move and do something special, whether it's in our private prayer time or corporate prayer time. When we respond to him wholeheartedly, there's something that happens as we partake of him. It becomes life to our bones. It changes the way we perceive all of life. 
It changes the way we react to hardship. It changes the way we react to bad news because we have been feasting on an encounter with him and now it changes how we see everything. We see from heaven to earth rather than the other way around. We're not observers. We are actually involved in the process. We are partners. We are joint heirs with Christ Jesus. Amen? And there's this story in Luke 17 that kind of illustrates this really well. And I want to read it from the Passion Translation. And there's some notes in there I want to hit that I, that, uh, I think will add to the story. So it's Luke 17, verse 11. <clears throat> it says, while Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus passed through the border region between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered one of the villages, 10 men approached him. How many men? 10 men approached him. But they kept their distance because they were lepers. Now, they knew the law, right? In, that, in Bible times, they had announced that they were lepers before they show up. They weren't allowed in all the same places every, as everyone else because they were unclean, right? They kept their distance. So they shouted to him from a distance, mighty Lord, wonderful master, won't you have mercy on us and heal us? They yelled out, teacher, it was a, 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 a name of respect they gave to him. They said, won't you have mercy on us? And Jesus stopped to look at them, and he spoke these words. Go be examined by the Jewish priests. Now, this was Levitical law. For them to be cl uh, uh, clean from a place of unclean uncleanliness, they had to present themselves to the priest to be inspected by the priest. This is in Leviticus 13 and Leviticus 14. But these people stepped out, and they believed just the words of Jesus could cleanse them, right? And they're like, hey, cleanse us. And he says, okay, here's what you got to do. You got to go now and complete the ceremony, and you got to present yourself to the Jewish priest, and they will, they will declare that you're, un, that, that you're from unclean to clean. So they set off, and they were healed while they were walking along the way. So when they left, they believed Jesus. They were still lepers, it was in their walking to the priest and the obeying what Jesus told them to do that the encounter came and they were cured, the Bible says. <laughs> they were healed. That word healed there means cured, okay? Now, one of them was a Samaritan. Why is that important? It's important because that means the other nine were Jewish background. So they had a priest. But one of them didn't have a priest, who was he supposed to go show himself to? He had no priest. It was not normal for Samaritan people to, to mix in with the Jewish people. So when Jesus said, go show yourself to a priest, nine of them knew who their priest was. One of them was like, I'm just going to follow these guys. And on the way, they're cured, right? When he discovered, the Samaritan discovered that he was completely healed, he turned back to find who? Jesus, the high priest. Come on shouting out joyous praises and glorifying God. When he found Jesus, he fell down at his feet and thanked him, saying, you are the Messiah. You are who you say you are. And Jesus says, where are the other nine? I, I think Jesus may have even could have said it this way. Where are the nine that knew better? Jesus said, weren't there 10 of you who were healed? And they all refused to return to give thanks and glory to God except for you, a foreigner, a Samaritan? And Jesus said to the healed man, 
who was lying at his feet. Now, he was already cured from leprosy. That word healed earlier is not the same word as healed here. So he was cured. Here he says, arise and go. It was your faith that brought you salvation and made you whole. The word is sozo. Completely whole, saved, healed, delivered. Why is this story so interesting? They respond, all of them responded to Jesus. Here's my point today for us as a church. Every one of them responded to Jesus and got something from Jesus. All of them got cured, but one of them got made whole because he had a different response to what Jesus initiated. All of us in this room can get a touch from Jesus and can all be cured and it can be wonderful, but he's looking for those that will go the extra mile in their response so that he can make them completely whole. And it's the response that dictated what they received from Jesus. It was their response to what he initiated that caused this Samaritan man who had no right to anything that just happened to find Jesus become his new priest, his Messiah, all because he responded differently. The other nine, I'm sure they were thankful they were cured, but there was something different inside this man who was thankful, who was appreciative, who knew that he just got access to grace that he didn't deserve that he just got access to an encounter with a man who was greater than he could have ever dreamed and he could not let a moment pass him by without him presenting himself to that man. In other words, he was saying, you be my priest. I'm showing myself to you. You be my priest. And there's something that happens when you and I learn how to take the extra measure of response to him. When he comes into a room, whether it's in my prayer closet, I want to respond to him. If he comes upon me and it moves me to tears, I want to cry till I have no more tears. I don't want to leave one tear in here that he wants me to release. If it's to laugh, I want to laugh until I can't laugh anymore. If it's intercession to pray for someone that I love, I want to intercede until the burden lifts from me. It's the same in the prayer room as it is corporately. When Jesus shows himself up in this room, when the Holy Spirit comes and rests upon us in a, in a greater measure because we've gathered together, I want us all to learn to go the extra mile in our response to him. I want us to say, what are you doing in this room right now? What response can I bring to you as a gift? The song I sing, it's worship, but what response to what you're doing can I bring as a sacrifice? I may have had access to being cured before, but not leaving the moment and not bringing the appropriate sacrifice will cause me to miss out on wholeness. But if I will train myself, if we can begin to train ourselves that when Jesus enters a room that we don't tune out, that we don't change the channel, that we don't think about what's next, that we don't let our stupid phones and our whatever ding distract us to what, from what's happening right now, we worry about what's next and we're not present in the moment. When we begin to live that way as a church, we'll see revival. We will, because we will become so aware of his presence that nothing else will satisfy. Like, yeah, I've got stuff to do. I've got responsibilities. I've got uh, a schedule that I have to keep. All of us, that's all true, right? But nothing is more important. Like he said, you have chosen all these other things, but she's chosen the right thing, and I'm not going to be taken away from her.
Come on. I want to talk to Fire Life today. I think that we've, we've gotten, I'm, I'm talking to me. So when I say Fire Life, I'm part of Fire Life. I think we've gotten lax in our response to him. I think without even knowing it, we may take for granted that he shows up when we gather. Like, he shows up. He just shows up. It doesn't matter if it's a revival group. It doesn't matter if it's two of us talking. It doesn't matter if we're on a men's retreat. The Lord shows up. That's not something we should ever take for granted. And yeah, he shows up and he cures us. But what would happen if we leaned in and we all became whole? I mean, in every way, whole. No addictions, no struggles with bondage, no sickness in our bodies, no, no wounds in our soul that have been festering for years, no, no almost unforgiveness. Oh, I forgave them, but it's almost unforgiveness in our heart. None of that. What if we became whole? What if we became sozoed? Saved, healed, delivered from everything. And what if we became people in whom his presence rested upon? And whenever he leans in one direction, we just go all the way with him. And whenever he leans another direction, we just go with him. We don't ask questions. We don't worry. There's a place for questions. It's not in the moment of an encounter. Sometimes we ruin the encounter by our questions. We should respond first. It's, it's like t- trying to teach our kids to say, yes, sir, yes, ma'am. I, you know, I, that feels like a power play. Like, no, you better say yes, sir. I, but it, what it is doing is teaching them to respond. Did you hear me? Yes, sir, I heard you. Because all of us, not just our kids, we can be given instructions and, and not say anything back, and people are like, yeah, did you get that? Yes, sir, I got it. It's, a res- it's me saying I'm on the same plane you're on right now. I'm hearing you and I'm responding. Yes, I'm with you. And the Lord's wanting to build that up in us right now, that we would learn again what it means to say yes, sir, to him when he speaks, when he moves in a room. There's a thing I, I, I read, and Bill, Bill's got a new, Bill Johnson has a new book called Open Heavens. I cannot recommend it highly enough. It's wonderful. And there's a story in there that I want to close with, and he's talking about honoring people when they respond to the Lord. And he tells the story with a hunting analogy, which is just awesome. So, and he says, when he's hunting, there are two dogs, right? Both, both dogs are trained the same way, and they're trained to, to catch either eyesight or scent of the prey, right? They're trained to, to hear, they're trained to smell, and when they smell the prey, they alert and they, they point. They get into a pose, literally, and point in the direction of the scent, And usually what happens is the dogs get separated from each other and one of the dogs catches the scent before the other dog catches it, right? But when the dog, let's say the dog over here catches the scent and begins to alert and bark and point, the other dog is trained to honor the point. As if to say, I believe that you're sensing something and smelling something and you're, you're having an encounter over here. I believe you, so I'm going to respond in the same way. And that dog will begin to point and respond as if he's the one that caught the scent. You're like, well, what does that have to do with this? 
When the Lord's moving in a corporate setting and someone begins to respond to the Lord, honor the point. Go with them. You're like, well, it feels like I'm, I'm faking. Sometimes we need to just do something like that until we catch the scent. Maybe we're missing out. Maybe they're right on it. You're like, oh, they're being really weird and loud or whatever's going on with them right now is between them and God. Maybe not. Maybe it's an invitation for anyone to be hungry enough to, oh, I honor their point. I'll go with them in the encounter. I don't even know what they're getting from God right now. I don't know if I need what they have, but I want it. And I want us to be a church that begins to just recognize when someone begins to respond to God that we go with them. It will stir up something inside of us. It will stir up compassion. It will stir up hunger. It will cause us to mourn with those that mourn. It will cause us to rejoice with those that rejoice. All because we're honoring what God's doing in them right now. And I want us to pray for that this morning. Would you stand with me? God, I ask that you would stir up inside of us an ability to respond. Come on. We, we repent for being lazy. We repent for being Pharisees and moving past moments and encounters and not gaining from them the fullness of what you've invited us into. Why don't you pray over yourself that you'll become sensitive. Come on. Stir up our sensitivities to you, Jesus. Stir up our sensitivities to your activity and to your movement in our lives. Let us learn the language of the Spirit. You've got encounters for us, nonstop encounters. Help us to take full advantage of every encounter because we need you, Jesus. We need your touch. You initiate, I will respond. I will not be lazy in my response. I will not be slow in my response. I will not be quick to leave my response. God, may our response to what you're doing become a sacrifice of worship, a sacrifice that your fire falls upon. God, as we begin to obey and respond to you, may it attract heaven everywhere we go. May we become an open heaven not because we're special, but because we just respond. We may be the biggest fool in the room, but we respond to you. Put us anywhere. Put your glory in us. Now let's pray. God, help me to honor other people's response to you. Help me to honor the point. Help me to honor when other people are locked into your presence. If I don't feel it, if I don't see it, let me lean in. Maybe I'm missing out. Maybe they need me to join in. Maybe they have exactly the thing I'm looking for. God, I ask that you would increase the Holy Spirit's activity in our daily lives and in this church. We ask for a fresh outpouring of your Holy Spirit. Come on, just keep praying into that. Come on, let's not quit.
if you've not been baptized with the Holy Spirit, would you just ask him to come? It's a free gift. If it's been a long time since you've prophesied or you've cried out to him in tongues, just go for it. Cry out to him. Come on, we need the activity of the Holy Spirit. He comes however he wants to. Holy Spirit, come. Yes, we need you in our lives. You initiate, we respond. Yeah. I'd like to close like this. Um, I think sometimes we take for granted or we think that people know what we mean when we say an encounter. I just want to pause and say, do, do you know what it means? when we say we have an encounter with God. Is there, we understand what that means. Like, it, it's like he sets the agenda. I lay aside all of my agenda and I lean in and ask him what he's doing. And then whatever he's doing, I join in with him. That's an encounter. Like sometimes I have an agenda built up in my heart and it, it wars with what he wants to do. So I think the the best place for us to start again would be to learn how to set aside our agenda and learn how to ask him, what are you doing in the room? What are you doing in my prayer time? See, sometimes I'm driving down the road and I start crying and I don't even know why. If I didn't learn how to ask the Lord, why, why is my response right now tears, then I would miss out on a lot of opportunities that I've had over the last few weeks. I would miss out on it because I didn't ask. What's your agenda? So I want us to do that. I want us to to practice that right now. I want you to lean in. And what I mean by that is, I mean quiet your spirit. Quiet your mind and just become more aware of him and lean like you're really trying to hear someone. And just ask him for you personally right now. Jesus, what are you doing? What's your agenda for my life right now? Just ask him. Did you feel something? Did you hear something? Lean into that. Ask him, what do you mean by this? He loves it when we ask him questions in the right settings. He loves it. He wants us to lean in. I heard something very clear and it's directive. So that means over the next season until he tells me and changes the agenda, I need to guard that thing most that he just said to me. That thing takes priority. Other things are important, other things are done, but I need to guard the thing he just said to me. And then what will happen is as I guard that thing, he will begin to release his presence over my life and it will feed and fulfill the thing he said to me. So now we're gonna ask the Holy Spirit to come upon our lives. So would you just pray, Holy Spirit, come. wreck our lives, Holy Spirit. We don't want 
we don't want normal, boring lives that we can control. Help me feel that way. I don't want a normal, boring life that I can control. I want a life that's full of the Holy Spirit's activity. That's an adventure. Holy Spirit, come. Would you pray for your neighbor? Just pray that over them. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. Rest on us. Remain on us. Make us whole. We don't just want to be cured. We want to be made whole. (laughs) 